Thank you for listening to Indrani's Light Foundation's Caring for the Caregivers podcast. This is episode 24. In this episode, Indrani, Amy, and Jeremy talk about a caregiver scenario that caused this caregiver's values to collide and make a difficult choice between her family and her work. They also discuss how we as a society can keep from placing shame or guilt on anyone who does not make the same choice this caregiver may have made. We all face difficult decisions every day, and we make the choice with the information and circumstances that are presented at the moment. Let's give ourselves permission to be human. Enjoy the show. Hello, Indrani and Amy, and welcome back to the podcast after a bit of a a summer break for those people listening to the episodes chronologically. Uh, Today, we're going to jump right into our scenario uh, from one of our caregivers. And the caregiver writes, last Friday, my daughter woke up feeling sick. Nothing serious, just a bit of the flu. She asked to stay home from school and asked me to stay home with her. All I could think about were the hundred tasks I needed to get finished at work, but I also wanted to take care of her. I called my boss and told her I could not come into work and needed to take care of my daughter. My boss said they would find coverage. I felt so guilty about not finishing my work, I ended up giving my daughter some flu medication, sending her to school, and going into work anyways. My daughter ended up sick all weekend, and now I am feeling guilty that I went to work and didn't stay home with her. My guilt is pulling me in two completely opposite directions. What can I do? So I'm going to go first today uh, to talk about this scenario. And I think the most impo- one of the most important pieces from this scenario for me was my first reaction as a parent was that this caregiver was feeling guilty and that the right decision would have been to stay home with her daughter. But as I thought about it more and reflected on it more, I realized it's not really that simple. Uh, It is more complicated than that. And that it may have been a situation and we may come to situations where somebody at work is depending on us, a client is depending on us. There's a whole bunch of intakes coming into the shelter that day that you need to do. There's a client who might be leaving that day and saying goodbye and it's important for you to be there. And some of those things at work may actually be more important to your values and what's important to you than staying home with a sick child. And in completely other situations, the other might be true. The tasks that have to be done at work might not be as important as a very sick child at home. So I don't want anyone to think as we we look at this scenario that there is one answer every time and that family always trumps work because things are more complicated than that. And so where I went with this scenario was looking at the work of William Urey that we teach in our curriculum and what he calls the three A's. And the three A's are all about how we struggle to say no because we're having a pull in one direction by those things that are important to us and our own personal power over making decisions. And our desire to keep healthy relationships and protect those relationships. And so what William Urey says is 
that there are three other ways that we are currently saying no instead of actually saying no. And those are accommodating, avoiding, and attacking. And so accommodating is when we try to protect the relationship by setting aside what is important to us and not exerting our power to make decisions. We say yes when we mean to say no. And what happens is it, this leads to an unhealthy yes. It may bring temporary peace to the relationship and to our situation, but it undermines the things that are most important to us. So we're not serving what's most important to us in that situation and we're accommodating the other person. Avoid is the next A and this is where you don't say yes or no. You end up kind of waffling in the middle. Uh, you, you say nothing at all. You avoid the person, you stay out of situations where you need to talk about that. This may be the silent dinner when neither of you talk about it. It could be walking out of the room when, when this situation could come up. Uh, it's avoiding what needs to be done, the decision that needs to be made. Be made. And we're just hoping that the problem is going to go away. The thing with avoidance is it ends up damaging our own health and the health of our relationships. We can get stressed. We can feel tired. We can get sad. The relationship isn't working because we're avoiding that person. Your deeper interests, your values aren't being met because you haven't said yes or no. And the relationship isn't working anymore because you're not saying yes or no to that other person or to the organization. Our third A is attack. Uh, and this is where you think only about your own personal interests and not about protecting the relationship. Uh, it's usually driven by anger because you feel frustrated with the situation, trapped, upset over an unreasonable boundary crossing uh, demand that somebody is making. And you end up saying no in a way that hurts the relationship, but helps you to maintain power. And so those are the three A's, accommodate, avoid, and attack. And when I look at this situation, this scenario, I think that this caregiver has done two of the A's. She's both avoided and she's accommodated instead of saying no one way or the other. So by originally saying yes to her daughter and staying home, then saying no and sending her daughter to school, She's avoiding the whole situation with her daughter. She's left her daughter in a situation where mom said yes, then said no. So the daughter's really unclear on where things stand. And the caregiver has ended up uh, hurting both that relationship with her daughter and hurting her own health because she's now stressing out about it. She's feeling guilty. She, she doesn't feel happy with the situation. She didn't take care of her important values, her family, or her work. She could have made a clear decision one way or the other, but she stayed in the middle. Uh, she also accommodated by saying yes to her work after work said that they would find someone to cover for her. So she went back and she accommodated that situation. She gave up her power and she did what she thought was saving that relationship by going into work anyways and accommodating that need. And so, like I said, I, I don't think that this is a clear cut one way or the other, 
But where I think it comes down to what we need to do in these situations is we need to take more time in making these decisions. And we need that to use that time to look at that situation and do two things. One, get really clear on the values and what's important to us in that situation. So what is important with our values about work? What is important about going to work that day? What is important about our values about family? And what is important about our family that day? And we need to get clear on both sides and weigh which side has the more important values for us that day, the most important decisions versus the other. And then we need to ask ourselves, if I say yes to this or no, am I accommodating, avoiding, or attacking? And how can I turn that into a clear no that protects the most important values in this situation, which one day might be work and another day might be family. And by doing that, by getting clear on the importance, getting clear on the values and really using this tool to say, wait a sec, if I say this, am I avoiding attacking or accommodating? It's going to help this caregiver and, and all of you, you come to a clearer no and decision that you can make in a scenario like this. Indrani and Amy, do you have any thoughts on this one? Jeremy, I think you hit some really important points. The thing that, one of the things that really jumped out for me was the work situation gave her permission to stay and said, we'll cover it. The work didn't say, as far as we could tell, you are not being a good worker. I can't believe you're doing this. She got clear permission. But she didn't get permission from herself. Mm. So when, we don't know what she thought about when work said, we'll get somebody. Maybe she felt, oh my gosh, they're going to replace me. So right. a lot of fear came in with, I will, you know, you'll get help. And because she didn't know what she thought about the work thing, then she had to renege on the daughter promise. Because whether we like it or not, we know our families cannot fire us, right? We treat the people we live with with the most leeway because where are they gonna go? And I'm not saying that that's what she thought about the daughter, but in this situation, it's. It's for any relationship that we, quote unquote, take for granted. Right. She, she wasn't taking the work for granted. The other thing that jumped out at me was the first line said, nothing serious. Right? Now, let's just wait there. She could not then go on to foretell that it would become serious. At that moment, it wasn't serious. And then it became serious. So then all the guilt tripped in. And so there, there's more to this than just that little blurb. And my, my question for anyone listening is we've all had this situation. Can we take the time to ask ourselves, which is the loudest voice in my head? What is that voice screaming? And where did that message first come from? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, 
somebody who told me a long time ago when I was building my business that I had to stop worrying about or trying to deal with future problems. Right. And this is the same kind of idea you bring up is we can't, we can't base guilt about our decisions on future outcomes. We make the decision the best we can in the present moment. And then we can't beat ourselves up if things go a different direction that we had absolutely no control over. I really like that point, Indrani. Thank you. Yeah, what came to me, Jeremy, in this scenario, I, I remembered this scenario from the particular caregiver. I actually remember this whole conversation we had and coaching her through this. Uh, I, I knew her fairly well because I've had multiple interactions with her as a caregiver. And, you know, an incredibly, you can tell she's an incredibly responsible person with follow through with thinking everything through. Uh, this was hard for her, this particular scenario, um, this accommodating piece I recall her talking about. You know, her values are responsibility and being a good mother and uh, showing up for work and not being late or never calling in sick. Those are all big values for her. And, but the accommodating piece was hard for her. So we, we did go through the three A's with her. And it, it was quite a good learning process for her. She was really able to walk through all three A's and figure out that the accommodating piece was her challenge. So this was um, one of those uh, scenarios in which, uh, and everyone that was in the room in particular, she was able to share this in a room with other caregivers and all of them could really see where she was struggling. And they really didn't have an answer of what decision they would have made. Uh, and right. so this was an excellent, um, example of what these caregivers go through uh, as far as the accommodating um, factor. And then the last thing I will say, and I'll, I'll talk about it later too on my piece of this, is just being able to communicate as clearly and with compassion as possible with the parties that are involved. Mm -hmm. So have that open conversation with your daughter or son. Um, have the open conversation with people at work that you feel may judge you uh, in some way, because most likely they will understand or have been in your shoes before and be completely empathetic to your situation. And then you can go away without feeling, you know, guilt or shame or ooh, those mixed feelings that you have. Yeah. So that's, uh, this is an, just such an excellent scenario. I'm so glad that you chose this. Yeah. Two other things that come up just from what you said, Amy, is the one is I really liked what you said about really having a conversation with the people involved. You know, I think sometimes we, you know, you, you see a situation where it's like, sorry, mommy's got to go into work. You have to go to school. And that's as it, you share the decision with the other person. You don't have a conversation. And how could it be different if it's, you know, honey, I would like to stay home with you today because you're sick, but I have a long-term client who I've been helping at, at my work and they're finally going out on their own today and I need to be there to, to say goodbye to them and give them the final bits of support and to have that conversation with the other parties so that they understand. It's not just, oh, 
mommy's going to work again instead of taking care of me. It's, oh, there's a really important reason why mommy's going to work today and I'm going to go to school. So I really like that point. And then the other part that really popped up is with all of the boundary setting, and we won't go into it today, but we have to remember that one of our goals is to get to those flexible boundaries. And so when you said that that caregiver had a boundary of, I'm never sick for work. I think the never word, now when it comes to safety or physical danger, a never boundary is a good thing to have, but we really have to be careful about never and always. And those are really dangerous boundary words because I'm really putting myself, painting myself into a corner that's going to lead to me feeling guilt and shame or hurt relationships because it's not flexible. So I think that was a really uh, important word that popped up there. All right. Indrani, you are next. Jeremy, I love that you chose this scenario. And I also love that Amy was right in the middle of the live event. Um, I'm, I'm sorry that all of our listeners cannot be with us in a live scenario. The thing that showed up for me a lot here is the should. You know, have you guys heard you shouldn't should on yourself? <laughs> you shouldn't should on me, shouldn't should, right? And it, it's as crazy as it sounds. If this caregiver or anyone in this situation could make a list of a perfect mom should, a perfect daughter should, a perfect employee should, a perfect partner slash wife slash husband should, if, if we can make exhaustive lists of these shoulds, then we can see that, let's say I have a list of four things. That's four complete people. That's not four parts of one human being. That is four completely different people trying to live in one human body. And that's without us getting sick, without anybody else getting sick, without us getting fired, without us, nothing bad happening. Just, you know, pie in the sky, I should be this. The word guilty came up in this. And I know Amy's going to talk about uh, something else other than guilt. Guilt has morphed here into shame. Brene Brown says guilt is something where we know we've done something wrong. We can apologize for it and move on. So let's say I went to Jeremy's house and Jeremy has a beautiful, you know, game console that he just bought. And I picked it up and I said, hey, Jeremy, this is so great. And I drop it. But it wasn't on purpose. I could say, Jeremy, I am so sorry. I'm going to replace that for you. That is, that was a mistake. I can feel guilty about that. If I take the same thing and I say, you know, Jeremy, every time I come here, you're playing this goddamn game and I throw it on the wall, that is not something I can apologize for because that was anger. 
I cannot feel guilty about that. I just have to look at myself and say, oh my God. Yes, I'm sorry I threw this at you on the wall. I'm sorry it broke, but there's a bigger thing here. If this caregiver could really only feel guilt, only feel guilt, right? Taking away everything else. If she could go to her daughter and say, honey, I know I said I would stay home and then I sent you to school. Forget about what happened after because in that moment, she cannot know. She cannot be a foreteller. What's that called? Monday morning quarterbacking or something like that. Just to say, I'm sorry, I broke a promise and tell the, the, uh, the shelter or where she worked, I know you said you'd get coverage for me and I am sorry I chose to not accept it. I'm sorry I didn't trust you because there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. And then for her to look at herself in the mirror and say, I'm sorry to myself that I feel like I have to do everything. But if she really only felt guilt, she could say those sorries and mean it. I have a sneaky suspicion it wasn't only guilt. Um, and Amy, you just said we need to communicate with people involved. Did she tell her daughter what she was feeling? I mean, I feel like the child was grown up enough to understand feelings. So you could have a very basic conversation about feelings. And this is an opportunity to teach the child emotional intelligence. I feel this and I feel this. Have you ever felt like that? And just to, to show the child, life can be messy sometimes. And we make wrong mistakes or different mistakes. We wish we could unmake that mistake, but we cannot. The only thing we can do is take it and move forward. So I think there's a lot in here. If, I, if anyone is listening that has a scenario like this, I would first ask you to sit down and make the lists. A perfect this should, and a, right? Yeah. And I know my lists would drive anybody crazy. I'm not ever supposed to be sad or sick or angry or hungry. None of those things. That just means I'm weak. <laughs> I remember being in a positive psychology class once and the teacher said, can we just give ourselves permission to be human? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Up until that moment, I didn't think I could give myself permission to be human. Like, what the hell is that? Uh, well, I'm better than that. Yeah. But I am only that. I am only human. That's right. Yeah. The beautiful thing about our curriculum and the, the scenario-based training that we do for our shelters is that these kind of scenarios, we actually, I take them through every module that we teach and every single tool that we teach is applicable to this, you know, these kind of scenarios. That's the beauty of it. We can go through the setting boundaries module, the saying no, the letting go, the self-care, all of it. And we I took her through every single uh, tool that we teach in this one scenario. Mm -hmm. And it was an incredible experience for her and for everyone who was present 
to then go into their own scenario and they, they, you know, just sat there going, oh, yes, that makes total sense. But the base of everything had to do with our values and with their values and what I'll talk about, the contradictions of these values that come up uh, in their work as well. But that, that's the beauty of it. Uh, and uh, so thank you for making this, uh, this scenario, you know, in uh, this uh, curriculum that uh, they can really utilize. It really blows my mind how many times I myself personally uh-huh. go to, my, to the tools that we created. Yeah. 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 And I think that one of the things that in my life and, and for everybody listening is you're doing this work, realizing that things aren't going to change immediately. It's baby steps is for me, one of the things I kind of track with our curriculum is all of these tools are very helpful in retrospect, when we look back at a situation that didn't go the way that we wanted, but we can also, as we use the tools more, start to pull them into the present or in the, in the pre, like before we make a decision and start using them to make better decisions. And so as you do this work more and more, more of those tools for me that I'm using after the fact start to come to the forefront and I can use them before I I make a decision or set a boundary or have a conversation. Uh, But always, always, always we are human. And I always end up messing something up at some point uh, and, and having to use the tools after the fact to learn more about myself, the relationship and what happened in that situation. Yeah. All right, Amy, your turn. Yeah. One of my favorite areas of the this module, our letting go module, talking about the guilt and shame. And what Indrani brought up earlier was, it's those aha moments that I get um, when she does this work (laughs) and I get to listen to her and talk with her. And that is the piece here that the guilt and shame are bleeding into each other here. That is, that's huge. And if our caregivers realize that they bleed into each other and they can maybe identify and be more aware uh, when these scenarios come up. I think it would be incredibly helpful for them. And where I go with this is that the piece that I want to talk about is the contradictions and the irony of placing shame, whether it's placing shame on yourself or whether you feel someone is placing shame on you based on the decisions that you make in particular in this uh, scenario for this caregiver. So we teach and remind people about who is placing shame on us these days. So is it your partner or is it your parents, your family, your coworkers, you know, uh, who is placing shame on you? And are, are you placing shame on yourself based on where you were raised, how you were raised, what your own values are? Are you setting expectations that are much too high for you? as uh, both of you uh, so beautifully pointed out, that we need to give ourselves uh, permission to be human and be able to make mistakes and be able to feel guilty about something that we did and just apologize for it and move on. In this case, we've got a caregiver who is a hard worker, doesn't call in sick very often, if at all, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but just an incredibly responsible person who is a manager 
and a supervisor and really gets her tasks done in a very efficient manner. Those are her values. And then we have a mom who loves her daughter, you know, tremendously, obviously, and uh, her family is a priority as well. Now we're set up with a contradiction when her daughter uh, is ill. And the irony of all of this. So uh, I would have to want to put myself in her position right now. And that's what we did when we walked her through this particular scenario. Put, I put myself in her place. What decision would I make as soon as her daughter walks up to her in the morning and says, Mom, I'm sick. I want to stay home and I really need you to stay home with me. And then as Jeremy pointed out as well, you know, she's thinking of all of the things that are happening at work that day, the mixed emotions of now, now just collided and the contradictions that then follow. So if I stay home with my daughter who is sick, I am now no longer. And then what is that? Those, all of those shame feelings that she's feeling. How does she feel she's going to be judged by her coworkers and her supervisors? And then if she chooses to go to work, what is her daughter going to think of her? What is her partner going to think of her? What is, what is society going to think of her? Is she not going to be a good mom because she went to work instead of caring for her daughter? And my favorite part of the contradictions and irony of what we teach is this particular sentence. The irony, of course, is that often these motivations are based in their own fear and shame. Meaning if someone places shame on you, most likely it's because they're feeling it themselves. And if we can realize the fact that everyone has been in this scenario in some way, shape or form, just like Indrani pointed it out. And, but to make themselves feel better, they want to place the shame on someone else to make themselves feel better. And that's my hope is that if you can realize that, if you can accept that, if you can do what Jeremy said before, is that we're making decisions with the information we know right then, presently with you at that moment. And then the rest is Monday night quarterbacking, right? What do you think, you two? These, this is a very important piece that can be so incredibly sensitive uh, to really realize and start doing some psychology, so to speak, without getting too deep. Uh, this is a big deal about how society places shame on us for this kind of scenario. At the same time, they collide, and then what decision do we make that is actually the right one, so to speak? Amy, this hits home to me. I remember when I first started doing some work outside the home, mm -hmm. this work, the first few steps. Um, my daughter was entering middle school and a family member told me that, I, that what I was doing now meant I didn't love my child. I was devastated. I had stayed home for so many years. And I wasn't doing this work yet, but I did something very different, contrary to what I would usually do. I asked my daughter, with me doing this, 
does it say to you that I don't love you? And she said, mom, I'm so happy to see you doing something. And then what that family member said just rolled off my back yeah. like water on a duck. I did the thing that I was most scared of. I asked the scary question, do you think I don't love you? I have to read a quote, one of my favorite quotes by George Bernard Shaw, and this is it. The risk to communication is the illusion that it has taken place. <laughs> Beautiful. Right? I, oh, yeah. It's a brilliant statement. We think all the stuff in our head. We think we've spoken to somebody. We think we know what they've said. Are we brave enough to speak it out loud so that guilt will not bleed into shame? Yeah, and this idea of contradiction uh, really hits home for me personally in the moment because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a stay-at-home dad who works part-time, and so I really identify with my dad role and my dad identity and being there for my son and being at home for my wife so that when she gets home from work, she's not as stressed out. And yet, as I do more and more work with Indrani's Light Foundation and we're trying to grow and expand, it's taking more of my attention and more of my time. And there's a fear that gets stuck up inside of me of if I do more for Indrani's Light, will that mean I do less in my role as a dad, very similar to, to what you were talking about there, Androni. And it's something that I, I really struggle with because the work, I mean, the work with Androni's Light has always been important to me, but it has become more and more important to me the more I've done it. And I really want to start making some big impacts with the team and, and really going for it. And that really struggles, especially the summer because my wife is a teacher, so she's been home all summer. Finn is off school for all summer. And so for one of the first times in a long time, I'm looking forward to September and school starting yeah. because I've, I've done a good job of now separating those roles and realizing I can be good at both, but wow, is it going to be easier once Ashley's at work, Finn's at school, and I have those hours in the day in my house, in my office alone, and I don't have as much of that conflicting pull between those roles. And that before that desire to have my house back to do work would have made me feel shame. Why do not, you know, I'm a bad dad because I'm not wanting my son around, but I've done the work now and I realize that I can, I can do both. And so I'm not feeling shame about wanting to go back to school. I'm excited. You know, we'll still have all the time around school, but I'm going to have that concentrated time to do the work I need to do. And so it really is a contradiction of those roles. And it's like we say, it's baby steps. Don't expect this to change. This has taken a couple of years for me to get to this point where I don't feel some shame around wanting to work more. Uh, so I think that's a, a great uh, piece of the curriculum you brought up, Amy. Yeah. Uh, it, um, the one thing I did do uh, during this process when I was uh, studying for this podcast is really analyzed uh, how I was raised and who I am uh, in general. Uh, and I was uh, in law enforcement for so long that I have this chain of command and this priority list 
<laughs> that I had been living off of. Mm-hmm. It's like what the military lives off of. You have God, country, family, you know, there's this list of where your priorities, so to speak, need to be and what's more important than something else. And if I can just shift that, and that's what I've been able to try to shift in the last few years, especially doing this work, is this contradiction when, uh, you know, whatever's first in my life, but something else comes up, which one do I choose? And if I don't choose the one that's in my highest priority, I'm going to feel guilt and shame, right? So I went to that analytical place (laughs) because I just think, I guess I think I can be superhuman, And it's just completely ridiculous. It's like, come on, Amy, you know, get with the program. You're human. Give myself being, you know, give myself permission to be human and to be able to make mistakes or make the best decision I could make at the present moment. That's what I would have to really impress upon. I I wonder how our lives would be different if instead of a priority list, we had a priority circle or a priority mind web where mm-hmm. all of those priorities were spread equally from the center. And instead of having to go down a list from top to bottom, you looked at you in the center, looked at your priorities and got to pick whichever one was the most important in that moment and get rid of the numbered list. Yes. Jeremy, um, you may be something. I'm with you 100%. That's a new piece of the curriculum. <laughs> could be <laughs> we'll have to think about that yeah uh, yeah that's what that really brought that up for me and he was yeah. got to stop mm-hmm. doing them as a numbered list because they're not they're, they're absolutely not but it, it was so ingrained in me like yeah. god in my in my childhood god was first right you know, then country and then family and that my and myself was way down here that's if if you were lucky enough to be on the list Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was taught if you put your, there was not even a, a moment of listing, but if I was a priority, that meant I was a bad everything, a bad daughter, a bad child, a bad Christian, a, a bad everything. So the thing to do was to kill yourself <laughs> in service yes. of yes. everything else. Yeah. And then you would, we had a saying in Trinidad, Die young and make a pretty corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) That is not a that is not a healthy saying. (laughs) No. And you know, God only takes the the best and brightest first. So I mean I used to pray to pray to die because that meant I was really, really good. Wow. (laughs) It's scary. It's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, so hopefully uh, for all of you listening, uh, this has helped you to deal with this type of scenario and all of the ones similar to it where you have some really conflicting, important things in your life that you need to make a decision between. Uh, We talked about uh, the three A's, uh, accommodating, avoiding, and attacking. Then we talked about the shoulds in your life, treating yourself like a human, uh, the difference between shame and guilt. And then we moved into this idea of the contradictory roles that you have in your life and how that can lead to shame 
and how those things collide and can really put you in a no-win position uh, if, if you allow it to. And so hopefully you can use uh, all of those tools and some of the conversations around them uh, to help you uh, really think about it and make some better decisions and keep your power uh, and keep your relationships healthy uh, by saying no in the right way at the right time and, and feeling better about those decisions. And I think that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Awesome. Oh, thank you, guys. This is amazing. Thank yeah. you, guys. Yeah, and thank you, caregivers, for listening and doing the work that you do in the world. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Caring for the Caregivers podcast. You can visit indranislight.org forward slash support and anonymously share your own questions or challenging situations to be answered on the show. You can also sign up for our free caregiver package resources at indranislight.org forward slash care package. If you have any questions, you can email our team at info at indranislight.org. We hope this podcast has been a source of support and comfort to the amazing work you do in the world. And remember, we see you.